Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. Lord, all nice and I remember because I was I hadn't started that much ahead of him, but he was like looking at his notes. He was like walking in a circle and he was beating his chest, like literally physically beating <laughs> yeah. his chest. Yeah. And he had like two hype guys with him that were like, "You got this, Chris," and like, but and he's like, oh, oh, like beating his chest, and I'm like, "What the hell?" You'd like, never seen this before. I have a very similar story. Never seen. <laughs> from chris it, it don't rock you no not from oh not i was from like chris. okay but i was in tulsa uh which by the way i have a fake first comedy story from tulsa too the first time i did comedy was in pittsburgh but i did it one time and didn't touch a microphone again for six months and then you have your second first time ever. my second first time which yeah. is really my first time and then my first time out here was really my yeah, first, first time, time yeah because i in, at every level there's a new first there's a time. first time yeah every time's the yeah, first every time, time. But, you know, Tulsa, I had only done it five times in six months, but that kind of counts as you're, you're on the scoreboard. Yeah, you're, you're, if you're doing one a month, you're in single A. You're, uh, yeah, you're on the board. Yeah, you're, uh, so you're, I, you're I, sticking around. I can't, yeah, I can't use, uh, I can't throw that away. Yeah. I got to own that bullshit. But anyway, this was like my second or third time ever, and it was in Tulsa, and it was at this comedy club. And Tulsa had this, like, it was a really alty scene. Like, it was all alt, like, high-ish, highbrow, lowbrow, you know how that alt thing, like the one-liner is, they, it's considered highbrow, but it's really oftentimes low-hanging fruit. I know, I know what you're talking about. It seems like, like Tulsa would, like college, a lot of college towns probably have that I, kind of comedy, if I, they have a comedy scene. I remember there's this guy, and I can't remember his name, it was a unique name, but when I first went out there, he was like their lizard king, like you could tell, like while he was on stage, all the comics would fake laugh really loud. God damn it! I wish I remembered his name. He probably ran some rooms. He, he was probably yeah. He was a nice and like he was a nice enough guy to me. Uh, and then a couple of weeks after I was around, he left like to go take a shot at L.A. I remember everyone going like, "Oh, he's going to Los Angeles to do comedy. It's he's gonna go blow up out there." Ended up on flapper shows or something. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't know what flappers was. We saw him post on Facebook, like going to audition at Flappers, and he posts later on on Facebook, got on a show, and we're like, yo, this kid's really going to take off. I didn't know until I moved out here that the the only thing you need to do to get on a Flappers show is just sign up to be on a Flappers yeah, show. Yeah, you just show, you just have to be there. You sign up, everyone who auditions kind of gets on. And, and then it, they give you like, a, you return for another date, and they tell you to bring a certain amount of people, or... Or they I, don't tell you to bring a certain amount of people, but if you don't, you don't get booked back for another two years. Yeah, like, you it won't was, ever be on. So we saw that, though, and we're like, this kid's been out there two weeks. He's already got a show at a comedy club. He's going to take off. But anyway, I was at, I was at my second or third uh, ever time ever doing comedy, and this guy who was on, he's one of these one-linery guys, too, but a little bit more like racy about it. So everyone thought he was going to, like, the heir apparent to whatever that dude's name was. He was going to be the one, like, the, he's the hot the new, shot. The new guy. He was the, the hot the, shot, yeah. ready to step in. And he's behind me, and he starts doing push-ups. And I, I remember getting a bit dome rocked by that. Like, I, oh, should I be doing, should I be doing jumping jacks or something right now? Maybe I'm not taking this seriously enough that I'm not hyped that I'm going to go up and smash the crowd or something. There's people that I don't understand it, and I've never been that that kind of person. But like every once in a while, you run into them, and you're like, and it you quite it makes you question yourself. You're like, 
should I be that hyped? Like I don't like Chris had like two people with him who were like literally like like pushing him like you would in the middle of like a not like kind of like a Ray Lewis kind of yeah like get in the middle and they'll kind of push you a little bit to get you hyped up and it, I've seen that a few times not only from Chris from other people just kind of in passing and it's like what are you what are you doing yeah I I couldn't I would it would never occur to me to do that and the what I do when I'm when I'm feeling those nerves is I get a I get my little set list and I just like I scratch out my first couple of notes of like to make sure I let let me make sure I remember what I'm gonna hit when I go into my act my first one or two things because I know I know once I get to that one or two things we're off and rolling and everything I plan to do I'm gonna hit the marks but I, I, just to get that adrenaline from creeping up my belly into my chest and throat to where I feel like I'm standing in water when I get on stage I'm just gonna outline a little bit more to make sure I'm just ready to get right into it but I've never had the urge to do push-ups or jumping jacks you know who did do that when uh i performed with him a little bit I, he stopped as soon as i walked in uh brendan schaub <laughs> oh really? well, yeah, yeah I, I could see him doing I, that right but could, it, like that's just but like he wasn't he wasn't doing like he wasn't doing it like i'm gonna smash the shit out of this crowd it was like I, he was jumping up and down in the green room of like i'm trying to shake out this so it's like that kind of like not a jump it's like a like a bunny like multiple bunny hops while you like wiggle out your fingers and just shake the nerves out like, exactly it's of like a, it's like a physical shaking out of of like all of your fears and all of your like just knowing that like what's about to happen and you're just going to try to shake everything out to be the best you out there i guess yeah, but clear all the gunk out of your brain I guess. that i can understand i i want to say i've probably done something similar i mean i don't i haven't been able to watch myself but I, i've probably done something similar to that but Never like full on Never beating my up. chest like I'm about to, you know, I'm a minute man about to go into war. Hashtag comedic rock star yeah, and shit. It's like, <laughs> it's like who does, like, I don't know. You run into some, you see some strange things back there. Yeah. Like, and there's just people, I think more often than not, what I've run into is just people who just cut everything off. Like they That's, just sit, they, they don't, don't talk to anybody. And it's very, um, I'm always put off by it. Yeah. Like, especially if it's somebody you've been wanting to work with or it's somebody that where they're not necessarily like ignoring you, but they're also not acknowledging that you're in the same room and they're probably just getting themselves psyched up or something. But to me, it's always like, I don't know. It's like they've they've put off by they're Daniel Day Lewising it like, yeah, like they're getting into character (laughs) and, and then they go up there and it's, I always just feel like, Oh, that's, that's not you at all like you know that i try to give a version of myself so who i am in the back is a version of who i'm about to be on stage and i'm sure you've seen this a lot with a lot of the tumblr shows because there's a lot of big personalities a lot of big names and it's like okay that's not who i thought they were gonna be Mm -hmm. or I don't like you kind of get let down a little bit, even if it's not somebody you look up to. Mm -hmm. It's just like, okay, I look up to you professionally in terms of where you are, not necessarily who you are. And it's like you get deflated a little and it's like, okay, you're kind of big timing. I always see it as like they're big timing us or big timing people. And it's like, that's probably not the right mentality to have but it's like that's that's the way i feel like i'm like okay they're they're kind of big timing us yeah and you know in on one sense you know that anybody on their worst day 
if you meet them one time, you could come away with that impression of that they're doing that or they're being a dick. But also, there are almost every comic that I've met that was a big timer was super cool. Like they, you look at them and you go, oh, thank God. Like that, I'm so glad that that's the person that made it. But there were a few, and and, and usually they're the mid-level guys. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's the guys that are like one to two rums like they're almost there or they're like two breaks away from being there they appear almost there yeah. but it ain't happening and we both know the one guy yeah i know exactly there who was that is. one guy over these five years of any of the any of the people that i've been on shows with or open for there was one guy that was a dick from start to finish in and with no dispute he was just a, a genuine general objective not subjective dick and that guy is always going to be you know he's always going to be in that low rung he's friends of a big time yeah that's big, what i was going to say he's friends with one of the biggest names that you guys would have household of household household name he's friendly with and that household name is annoyed with him too he had to pay that household name to to boost it to, to retweet for him to try to get asses out to the exactly seats. and it's like he's a he's a he's a coattail writer yeah like, and it's like and treated as such yeah and it, i i want to and i don't know the the inside baseball of tembler but I, like it seems like this was even doing a favor to him you know like that's it was right like, it's, yeah it's like i'm sure tembler this wasn't their first choice of who they wanted to come out right they probably want the big person they want the person who this person's opening up for and to this guy's credit, I mean, he has a, he has a Netflix special, mm-hmm. so he does have a Netflix special, uh, but he was the biggest jerk I've ever met. So what I remember about that particular guy is he told me not to cuss. He said, I don't want, I think he even called us all into like a room or, or something. And he's like, all right, nobody's going to be cussing. I need you guys to like, like he was like trying to tell us what to do and it's right. like who are you like guy who opens up for the guy people actually want to see yeah we papered this room dude yeah they don't yeah. know who they're they don't know who they're about to see yeah right it's now. like in youth and the thing i remember is like i went up i had a, i had a decent set like i wasn't i actually like an idiot i listened to him and i was like okay i'm not gonna cuss and and we had talked about this before but it's like i don't cuss a lot anyways but i do utilize it and i like to have that in my pocket yeah but I came away with like, okay, I gave them like 80% of what that could have been. And then I want to say you went up and you were like, nope, I'm cussing. <laughs> like, <laughs> that so you like went, me. Like you were cussing and your set went really well. And then he goes up and to his credit, he does really well. Like He, he did do it. He, yeah, he the did, crowd he did, did like well. him. And he's a, he's a decent comic, but it's just like somebody that's like, that's all they're going to be. They're going to be a decent comic. But he came off. And I can still picture this to this day. And I remember being like, hey, man, good job. And he's like, that was terrible. He's like, that is not what I wanted. This is, oh, my. And he was like so pissed. And I'm like, and then he went to like go sell merch or whatever. And it's like, and he was so pissed off. And it's like, this guy's never going to be happy. And he's also never going to be what he thinks he actually is. He wanted everyone else on the show to suck. And they that's what aggravated him. Because I don't know if I told you this part, but after... Uh, I think I I think I was hosting that night uh, because after you got off stage, he said to me as I was walking up, and at this point, I'm only doing comedy probably two years, may, maybe 
two and a half i was two and a half years so yeah you know not pretty fresh still like enough to know but enough to yeah but enough that if i'm walking on stage thinking i'm gonna do i'm just gonna introduce the next person and they say do do five to ten more minutes i was new enough at this point that that was still scary <laughs> <laughs> like i'm walking up and and but i didn't write anything down the, exactly yeah. i'm walking up and as you come off stage you did a good job so this guy says to me I didn't know this was why at first, but he says to me, do five or ten minutes in between us uh, before you bring me up. And I'm so I just thought of something that happened during your set. And I brought it back to some family material I had. And as I started doing it, he heard the punchline work. And from the back of the stage, he opens up the curtain and yells, all right, that's enough. And and oh, the, like the front couple rows of the that. crowd hear that. And I just like I turned around and shot him a look like, I look, man. The rules of nature exist off of this state. Don't be that guy. Yeah. So I I just shot him a look and f- finished my... I'm finishing the bit. So I did like five minutes and then brought him up and just kind of exchanged a look with him as I brought he him up. He tried to micromanage the show. Well, he thought, you just did well. I'd like if the host does a couple minutes and kind of takes... The, hopefully he struggles and takes the room down and I can come back up and be the savior. But we kept the energy where it was and he didn't like that. So he's like, that's it. Don't do any more goodness. Just bring me right up. Well, I also remember he had a feature. Because I know, I know the feature. Oh, so it might have been the feature. It, it was the okay. feature. The feature killed. The feature killed. I remember in his. Uh, oh, you're right. And do you remember? He was given. He was given condescending advice to the feature before the yes, show. Yes, and the feature was like, "I don't listen to him." <laughs> the feature's <laughs> like, "Hey, don't listen to him. Like, he, he's just he's he's a jerk." Wasn't he saying some? You know the method. You know the writing method that I say you always isn't it like you got to do the ABCs. Yeah, or it, was, like, it was something. Yeah, it was like some. You got to cook the bread, or like, he was doing some kind of weird. I wish I knew the analogy that he was using, but he's like, "You got to." Like super old school comic, like something he definitely made up. Yeah, but it was one of those. You got it. Oh, it was tic tac toe. You got to tic tac toe your bits, man. You got to here, and he yells at the feature, whatever his name is. Hey, come over here. Tell him about the tic tac toe, and, and the feature goes, "Oh yeah, you got to tic tac toe him." And, and, and then as soon as he leaves, he's like, "Look, don't listen to anything he says." Like, <laughs> yeah. And I want to say he drove him up. So the feature drove him up. And I want to say the feature also kind of helped him sell his merch. Uh, but the feature actually I think now is a voice on – he's like a Pixar voice for oh, like cool. cars or You know who's not like a Pixar that. voice? Neither of us. That fuck, and that fucking headliner. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the fact that he looked like a Pixar character. But he's like somebody that you look at and you're like not, – not the feature. The, the That's guy. what I'm saying. And it's like you're never going to be – what you want to be just like i watched his netflix special and it's like watching the guy he actually opens for the big name Mm -hmm. like 10 years ago 15 years ago where it's like okay you're just doing a version of that but not even as good and you will never i don't know i just feel like if that's what he's trying to get to it's not gonna happen yeah and that big household name you've seen other people come up under his wing and become huge successes oh yeah it's not it's not like he's holding the people back it's that this guy's holding himself back let me ask you this uh the headliner that we're talking about when you watched his netflix special did you give it one star out of spite one and a half one and a half stars <laughs> i can't see as like comic solidarity i can't give less than three stars to something if it's a comedy special and it's terrible i'm still like yeah but 
I only putting... I only skimmed through it. Okay. Like I didn't watch the thing because I I knew where you knew where it was going. I knew where it was going, but also it's just like I don't want to support this guy. <laughs> Like, I don't want to I don't give his... him a full. That's how you fuck them, actually. If you watch it for 15 minutes and turn it off, that hits some metric at Netflix that they're like, all right, people aren't watching this full thing. Oh, really? Yeah. They check to see. I think it's 15 or 20 minutes. They check to see how much of the viewers tune it, turn it off after 20 minutes. And if a, I think if a certain percentage of people are not watching it the whole way through, they won't ask them back to do a follow up special. We're going to I'm going to have to check and see if it's even saw Netflix. Because Probably not. I. Because I think they pay you to do it. I think it actually went to Prime. Really? Prime Video. Because, I, yeah, I saw it on there recently. Because I want to say, I think they pay you to do it, and it's a Netflix special while it's on Netflix, but they may not re-up it. Mm-hmm. So they're going to keep it on there. for the. You have an agreement that they're going to keep it on there for a year. But then after a year, if you're not meeting certain metrics, they just kind of throw it off. And they're like, okay, nobody likes this. Well, in old school Netflix, they just bought a bunch of specials, and then they and then they might have matriculated to Hulu or, or Prime or wherever they might have went from there, too. I know they, they took on a lot of like Showtime specials and stuff like that, so that could be the case, Yeah, too. that might be it. Speaking of that, I guess we'll, I'll introduce you <laughs> 30 minutes <laughs> in. Back by popular demand uh, is, is my comedy spouse, Joe Alanis. Hey, how's it going? And How's it going? How you, how, you, how you doing? How you doing, Flaley? Hey. And we are the the reason I wanted to have you back this time is to discuss not bombs, but just specifically weird shows, because we've been a, we've been a part of a few of those together. Yeah. And I know the Cliff Notes, or as Daniel Betts corrected for me, Cliff's Notes, which Cliff's I did. Notes. It's actually Cliff's Notes, not Cliff Notes. It turns out. Oh, good. I'll keep calling it Cliff Notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay being wrong, and I, the, I like Cliff Notes better. Cliff's Notes sounds pretentious. I just feel like I've gone 33 years of my life without knowing that, and I'm okay just continuing this way. In exactly my right. I'm gonna I'm gonna bigoted grandpa this thing and not change my ways. No, I'm just Cliff gonna stick. Notes. Cliff uh, Notes. I know the Cliff Notes of some of your weird stories, and they seem beautiful, but I don't know, I don't know the whole deal of them. So. Uh, you know, you know one of them I want to talk about. Yeah. Do you want to start with that one? Or? Yeah, let's start with that okay. one. I feel like that one's. I'm gonna a post. Solid I'm gonna post. Weird the, show. Yeah, I'm gonna post the pictures of that. Uh, and and you did a show with uh with uh, our, our our buddy Sam Stewart. Uh, all I know is the picture and the the just the overview, the one sentence thing of what happened that makes me laugh the most, but I don't know anything else about it. So the floor is yours uh, to, to discuss where it is, when it was, who booked it, like, or, or maybe not who booked it. <laughs> no, I'll talk about who booked it. That's that's the prime. Who booked the is show? Is this the person? Actually... Okay, so there's a person who in my five years I still have not met, but everyone in this entire valley, Los Angeles, San Francisco, San Diego, and a few, seriously, a few other states. I met a guy in Houston who's met him. I know a guy in Tulsa who knows him. There's one guy in who lives in this town who I usually say if if you if someone says they're doing comedy in this town, I say if I don't know you, you're not doing comedy in this town. But there is one man who's been booking comedy in this town for five years. We haven't even sniffed each other, and everyone except me knows him. Is that the person? Uh, he has he has like a, a small uh, cliff note in this story. Okay, but, so it's not his show. Yeah, but it's not his show. Okay. Um, so this was 2013. 
um, our friend Kate had just moved to town. Mm-hmm. Um, Kate moved up from San Diego. The very funny Kate. Ver- yeah, very funny Kate Lee. She moved up from San Diego. She had taken a position here in Bakersfield. And I knew Kate before she moved here through my buddy Chase. I had gone down to San Diego. I want to say I've watched, I watched her a couple of times. I, I had met her down there. And then when she would come up, she would come up sometimes and visit Chase when he was living here. And so kind of in passing, we had met, but I knew her primarily just from, from comedy. Like she was, you know, the stand-up comic Kate that I knew. Sure. And she had actually gotten a position here in Bakersfield. And she had reached out to me and she's like, hey, like I, I would like to do comedy in in the area is what she said. I can't do it in Bakersfield just because of um, her position. So her position is a position that isn't doesn't really allow her to be kind of doing stand up and right. kind of more in a public eye, so to say. Right. So yeah. it's just kind of conflicting with what her role is here in town. And. She's like, if you ever drive out to anywhere, if you ever get booked on a show, um, can I go with you? And if I can get some time, that'd be great. But I just, I want to be around comedy. Like, I just want to go to shows. I want to be around what I'm, kind of what I love. Sure. And she had mentioned that to me. And about three to four weeks prior, I got like a, a message on Facebook from a lady who I had never met in my whole life, ever. It was her her profile picture was like it's like just somebody you're like I I don't know who this is you well, look shady and I kind of went to her, her Facebook profile and I was like okay you're whatever like I I wouldn't even give you the time of day well and if this is 2013 this is a time when people aren't just randomly finding you and messaging you no but this is when Facebook is still for people who know each other exactly not like today yeah and well I think. There was like that group's capability, and so what I think that she did. So this particular booker, who's not a who's not a comic, she's like what I would label like really bottom of the rum entertainer. Meaning like she will have like a a New Year's Eve theme bash. She'll have like a an a band planner. come out like in a yeah like a very low end event planner is mm. what she was life coach was taken yeah <laughs> <laughs> she had messaged me probably three to four weeks before kate had brought this up and as soon as kate told me that i was like well i do have this lady who reached out to me that's in Tulare who wants to get us up for something and i'll say yes to that so we can go out of town mm-hmm. right so i'll i'll agree to do that this way, we have something to go out of town to. Kate can go do comedy. We can, I could see Kate do comedy because I'm a big fan of Kate. And it'll just be, it'll be something fun to do, even though chances are this show is going to be a complete and utter nightmare because the person who's booking it does like speed dating events <laughs> or whatever, right? And has no idea what she's doing. Right. Um, and so I agreed to do it. Um, and I had asked her, well, who else is on this show? Or like, what how, wh- like, what are you thinking? What's going to happen? And she had told me Sam Stewart was on the show. And I was in. And I was like, I knew Sam from Fresno. I was going to get to hang out with Kate. Going to get, you know, get some time. And I was like, regardless of what happens, it's going to be a good time. Good like, I'm going to be around story. with my friends. Yeah, so I agreed to do it. Um, I asked her if Kate can be on the show. And she said, yeah, like, no problem. Do you have? Do you know anybody else that wants to be on the show? And that's like automatically a red flag. Like... 
you're just gonna let anybody be not like Kate because I you know as one comic vouching for another comic that's one thing you should trust that I you know that I I know this person and they're gonna be funny but if you're just like I'll open it up to anybody anybody yeah. can come and do this she's show. got no interest in booking the show at no this point. not at all mm-hmm. and so Kate and I were booked and so we head up to the show and I got a message I got that lady's message and then probably a couple of days later, I got a message from the guy that you know that or that you don't know yeah. and everybody else knows. Mm-hmm. And the comedy show was going to be at a hotel, um, like dining hall or like banquet hall that's attached to a hotel. And he reached out to me and he's like, if you do a show with him or with her, you're never going to do any of my shows. Ooh. <laughs> she, she's trying to take over my venue. It was a, a hotel called Lamplighter Inn. In Tulare, California. By the way, you're 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 in a conf- hotel conference room, which which always breeds creativity. Yeah, when I of think course. when I think creative endeavor, especially comedy, I think yeah, big round tables in, in a hotel <laughs> conference room. I wanted I've gone to so many work conferences, and I know you have too, where I've wanted to just die in that room. I don't know why they do this. Every year at my job, my square job, I go to a conference for our little organization that we have where all of the people that do the thing that I do uh, get together on the West Coast and we go to one of the most beautiful destinations in the country and sit in a windowless conference room for two days and don't see any of it. Yeah. Uh, and every time I'm there on the second day, I've, I've wanted to kill myself for about 36 hours now. And on the second day, I sit there and I try to write bits and I write bits about being at a conference that I think is so hilarious while I'm in it. And then as soon as I bring those notes home, I realize that it w- it, it's not, there's nothing funny in it. There's nothing clever or interesting in it. It's just that I was in a hotel conference room. And, With no windows. And Yeah, and just like every movie seems interesting and, and emotional on a plane, and any material that's not whatever drudge you're listening to in a hotel conference room seems okay. Yeah, I've so, been there. So, like you said, probably not going to be a great show off. No, the it's not going to be. Automatically, there's like red flags. There's a simple fact that I don't even know who this person is, and it's. And now you're being threatened. <laughs> by, <laughs> by the somebody big, else. By the biggest booker yeah. in the valley at this time. So there's a red flag that it is somebody I don't know. Um, anybody who. Anybody like that's in the Central Valley that was running shows, I at least knew them or knew of them. And you kind of hear from other comics like, okay, they run a good show or, hey, like a lot of people don't show up, but it's fun (laughs) or whatever the case is. Like you kind of, you know what you're going into. Yeah, you kind of you at least have some kind of understanding of what you're stepping into Um, with this one. Not so much. So this other promoter reached out and was like, oh, if you do that show because she's stealing my room and if like all this nonsense and I just ignored it and I, I should have ignored hers as well, but I really wanted to just go out and do something with Kate. Um, so we show up and there's nobody there. <laughs> like nobody, <laughs> like it's me, Sam Stewart, the promoter and the promoter's friend and Kate and Kate. Yeah. And the promoter's friend is also doing stand up comedy that night um everyone's doing comedy. everybody's doing everybody that's in the room is doing comedy i want to say there's one person that was an actual audience member which means no one's doing comedy yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's one audience member so one and i want to say he worked at the hotel oh so. like he just got <laughs> off early that day and he was just like oh, i don't know i'll check it out let's yeah. see what this is 
Um, there's three round tables. That's it. Like the th- they don't even have like linen on them. Like <laughs> so, there's nothing. There's no dressing at all. Yeah. It's just so they didn't even have optimistic expectations at their highest estimations. Eighteen people. Eighteen people were gonna be there. <laughs> and just to give you like, and I don't know what it is about this that kind of sets me off and makes me really that puts me off to a room any room it doesn't matter if it's at a hotel doesn't matter if it's at a conference center doesn't matter if it's at somebody's home green carpet i don't know what it is about green carpet it bothers you it bothers me and it makes me feel like i'm stepping into like the 80s mm-hmm. yeah it um, does look like that. and i grew up with green carpet and that maybe maybe that's why could be it but it's like there's something about it that is just like makes a room feel like it's disgusting it's like you're walking on a box of newport menthol cigarettes yeah it's disgusting and so like this room is just all green carpet the bar is like a 1980s bar where it has like a lot of mirrors around it and the bartender doesn't want to be there. Nobody wants to be there, right? No. Um, and when I was pitched to show, the lady in the message said that it's going to be the hypest event in Tulare in 2013 or 2012, whatever year it was. But to be fair, still could have been. Could have, yeah. <laughs> it definitely had the potential. It, I mean, I mean, I don't know what happened in Tulare in 2013, but it could have been it the hypest event, you know? No, they have the egg show. They have the world egg show oh, every okay. year. It's a, yeah, it's a big thing. That's a tough one. To <laughs> um, be, tough to beat. And so uh, automatically it's just like, okay, this is going to be terrible. But still, like, I'm going to hang out with my friends. I'm still going to tell jokes because worst case, I rattle off some jokes. Kate lets me know what she thinks about them. I get to watch Kate. I get to watch Sam. Um, we still can potentially have like a pretty decent time. <laughs> and so Sam Stewart comes and sits next to me and he's like, hey, are you uh? you are you actually gonna do this <laughs> he's like like can we just leave and i was like nah man like let's just do it like it's fine and so i go to the lady and i was like okay all of us are here who's going up like <laughs> what's the who's lineup? going up first like what's the plan yeah. and she's it, like <laughs> oh, she's like you guys work it out amongst yourselves mm-hmm. and uh i was like that's fine whatever so i think we huddled up and decided kind of who's gonna go first second third whatever and like i said the promoter actually had a friend there and I sat down next to the friend, and the whole time that we're kind of getting... Man or woman, old or young? It's a woman that probably looks 30, Okay. but it's Tulare, so she's probably like 21. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, 21 and li- just lived a hard 21. Yeah, like it's a tough mm-hmm. 21 for her. And the whole time that we're kind of... I'm talking to Sam, and I'm talking to Kate, and I'm talking to all, all of the other comics in the room and everybody else who's there, the one audience member... Um, the promoter is also like the like queen of ceremonies and she's up on stage and she's playing music it's like cisco like thong song and like (laughs) it's like really old music and she's up there she's kind of talking and but there's no audience there's no audience but she's like is she playing it on her phone or on a computer no there's um She's running it through some kind of AV system. There Are we was talking some kind like boombox? <laughs> yeah, it was essentially a boombox. It was like an iPod. <laughs> like a Radio to... Rahim. But she's dancing. <laughs> she's talking. Like She's like completely oblivious to the fact that there's only six of us there. Mm-hmm. And she's like addressing us as if we're audience members and it's like we're what are you talking about like we're we're here to do the show was she did she have all her faculties or had she been drinking at this point oh she, you could tell that she had been drinking okay like 100 percent. the only like i only know this lady is drink. i only knew her for those three hours but mm-hmm. she's she was leave. hammered when you got there exactly okay. like she was 
so she was up on stage dancing doing like her entertainment queen of all ceremonies thing and talking over us even though we're the only people there Mm -hmm. the comics or whatever and i go to the other the only person in the room that i don't really know is the person like her friend promoter's friend yeah and while the queen of ceremonies is up there she keeps like rattling off jokes about her friend and she's like oh she looks like a prostitute and (laughs) girl tell him what you did last night and like blah 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 like just kind of like roasting her yeah and i remember sitting down next to the girl and i was like oh like she just said you you look like a prostitute and she's like oh i i am a prostitute (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh i don't know it might have been a stripper she was like a stripper she was a lady of the night in some form or fashion oh. and she was very proud of it oh wow she is the queen of ceremonies yeah. wow it was uh it was rough and so the show starts and what i mean by the show starts is she finally makes her way off stage and no she doesn't officially say hey let's start the show we're just literally just sitting on one of the round tables and the mic's up there and we're just like, okay, should we start telling jokes? She's done. It's like eulogies. Like she just walks off from the microphone, and then someone else is supposed to walk up. Yeah, like there's no direction, no at send all. off, exactly. Nothing. And she was obviously intoxicated, mm-hmm. and I didn't. I don't know exactly what she took, and I'm not like, I don't know much about drugs. I I don't know much about how drugs hit you, how certain drugs affect you. It sounds know, like she doesn't either. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is I was in the room with the lady for three hours, and I didn't see her take a single drink of anything. I didn't see her put anything in her nose. I didn't see her go off to the restroom. I didn't see her leave our site. She didn't leave the green carpeted safe room. She was in our line of sight the whole time. And whatever it is she did before we got there got progressively worse throughout the <laughs> night. So I don't know what she was doing before we got there because I didn't see her take anything, do anything, drink anything. Mm-hmm. But but you 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 saw <laughs> like I, I can't wait to hear the progression. <laughs> so she was being loud when we first got there, and then just all of a sudden just like goes off to the side and doesn't tell us to start the show, but doesn't exactly tell us not to start this show yeah um but she does turn down the music as if like okay we're getting ready for something (laughs) and uh her friend goes up first the uh lady of the night oh okay uh so she just goes i i tell her i'm like let's uh, who you're gonna go first like just go like Mm -hmm. just let's just start this by the way lady of the night is she cute are you gonna pretend she's funny no okay (laughs) (laughs) no not at all yeah um so she goes up and she's not even telling jokes like she's just well yeah she's yeah that's not her job and (laughs) it's her first time ever doing comedy ever um and if she's it she still hasn't done comedy actually like she she goes up there and she starts talking about how her boyfriend beat her up and they're not even jokes it's just like you're just talking at people like you've been you've had this inside of you festering and that you just had to get it out um so she go, she does that for about 20 minutes. Oh, my and God. And she's the opener. Oh, my God. She did 20 minutes. Her first set's pretty good. She didn't know what a light was. <laughs> so I was, like, telling Sam Stewart, hey, give her a light. Everybody's giving her a light. She just has no idea what it actually means. Yeah. And getting the light means you have two minutes, you have one minute, you have zero minutes. It's time to get off stage. Yeah. You should have played 
uh, Motley Crue, girls, girls, girls is the only like that. Would, that's their life. <laughs> we should have threw a couple dollars at her. You got to play. You got to play a certain song. Like that's the light. Yeah, that's, that's how they know. Is that really how it works? I have no idea. We should. I, I mean, we know people who could. Yeah, who I could guess get like, us this answer. Yeah, we could definitely find out. More on that later, listeners. <laughs> so she does her twenty minutes. Greg, which, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah, text me. Yeah, please DM one of us. Mm-hmm. Um, she does her twenty minutes of whatever it is that that was, right? Um, I want to say Kate Lee goes up next and like the promoter left like just was nowhere to be seen for that little by bit the way time. might not have been the last time that the opener and Kate had seen each other <laughs> yeah yeah probably not <laughs> probably not um Kate goes up and does Kate's like very professional yes like polished polished she knows what she's doing and like the uh, <laughs> lady of the night thought Kate was hilarious. So Kate did a really great job because the opener was laughing the whole time. Yeah. And I like watching Kate. So for me, it was a good time. Uh, Kate does her set. Absolutely nothing really goes she wrong. She crushes. Yeah, she does well, considering <laughs> there's really nobody there to listen. Yeah. Um, Kate goes up. She does well. Like nothing really fishy happens during Both of Kate's. the crowd is <laughs> yeah. dying with All laughter. two of us are absolutely yeah. enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, nothing really goes wrong during Kate's set. Um, Sam goes up next. And at this point, we had decided to just piggyback the show as mm-hmm. comics. Like, Kate, you bring <laughs> up Sam. Sam, you bring me up. Popcorn. Um, yeah, we're just going to piggy you know, piggyback. That's what it's called when the comic introduces another comic as mm-hmm. opposed to having a host come in. Right. And I know you know that. I'm just saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For those yeah. That, that don't know a uh, little inside baseball, that's what piggybacking is. Um, so brings Hashtag up Sam. piggybacking. Hash, yeah. Let's get that going. Yeah. Who Sam, knows what it means in the escort community that the opener. Is oh, I'm sure with. it means something. I'm sure it means something else. Sam goes up and the lady, the, the queen of ceremonies. Man, I wish... I don't even think she's on Facebook anymore uh, that I can. I don't even think she's on Earth anymore. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> so to paint a picture, this lady is roughly 300 pounds. She's sturdy. She's she's a heavy lady. She's a formidable yeah. individual. She's a very heavy African-American lady. She can haul some lumber. Yeah, she's um, she's stout to Larry born and bred. Mm-hmm. She's like, a round table. Yeah, she's had some corn and she's... She's healthy. Yep. She's a healthy lady. Yep. She is wearing a black top and white pedal pushers. What and are what are what are pedal pushers? Pedal pushers are like pants that go like a little bit below your knees, like kind of okay. like the like she's dressed like shins. she's dressed like Pitbull, but a woman. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and she is um she's a character. She's like exactly what you would think as somebody who you know does speak dating events and <laughs> yeah. djing and all of that stuff she's very loud and sam stewart goes up and the lady was sitting kind of off to the left of the stage and when sam stewart goes up and starts doing his her set she starts heckling sam and not like anything that you can actually make out like she's not saying you're not funny she's not saying like tell another joke she's not in like she's just like making animal noises (laughs) like these like screeches are coming from her that can only be like like some kind of weird tolary mating call or like yeah it's 
she's if only just, she had done it before the yeah. show. Might have <laughs> filled the room. And about four minutes into the set, she falls on the stage. What was that? She was sitting at the table and fell on the stage? No, or she, she was got sitting up? off to the left. Of She was like where you would put like a... As a, if you a, were roasting her. Exactly. But not on stage. Like It's kind of like where you would hide the sound person. Okay, yeah. But she I was, forgot she was doing music. Yeah, so she was doing the music. So she's like where a little bit off to the left of the stage. And she comes up on stage and lays down on the stage <laughs> while Sam is doing his jokes. <laughs> and she's like rolling on, like physically rolling around <laughs> on the stage and making these screeching noises and yelling. And Sam's like... Sam's like addressing it, of course. Yeah. And Sam's like looking at us, like, what? What should we do? And I just like do jokes. Do your act. <laughs> I just do your <laughs> act. And so the la- the lady's on stage. She's yelling. She's obviously intoxicated. She is out of her mind. Like we probably should have called <laughs> an ambulance or something. But comedians till the end. Yeah, but no, we're here to tell jokes. Yeah. We're going to tell our jokes. We're going to rattle these jokes off. Yeah, I'm not giving up my stage time. And at some point during Sam's state, uh, while well, during Sam's set, she like grabbed like a, um, there's these Mexican sandwich, a torta <laughs> from one of the tables and she's eating from this foil paper on the floor <laughs> so, on stage. So you just hear... Yeah, you just hear her like you hear the yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it sounds like. So the two guys paper. walk into a bar. <laughs> <laughs> so she's eating a torta on stage behind Sam Stewart, making weird noises. And then when I say she's eating a torta, like she's not eloquently eating a torta. She's like eating it like a dog. She <laughs> opens the thing up and just sh- so it's puts fall- her face right <laughs> falling into on the stage, yeah. <laughs> like food on the stage and everything. Yeah, like in the stage is big. Like it's a pretty big stage because she's she's laying down behind Sam. Yeah, and and there shouldn't be much more room. And there after shouldn't that. be yeah, there shouldn't be enough room for Sam plus this three hundred pound lady. Yeah, and Sam's rattling off jokes. And <laughs> at some point, I want to say he might have even given up, and he's just like, you know, that's my time. I'm done. Yep. And I think Sam thought, we're all going to get out of here now. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just cut this. Let's just cut this short. But oh, no. No. I said, bring me up. I'm the goddamn headliner. <laughs> I'm going up last. You bring me up. I'm, I came to Tulare. I'm headlining. Yeah. These I'm doing, people need I'm doing me. 35 minutes. I got to. You got to. I didn't come here for nothing. Yeah. I advertise this on Facebook. I love when people yeah. do that. I'm headlining. They just like, I'm, I'm headlining just, the hotel conference center. I'm just going last. Yeah. And Sam's like, oh, you, like he's looking at me like, do you really want to come up here? And I'm like, yes, I do. I I'm, I came here to do some comedy. I'm going to do some comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, and I don't even know why we're introducing each other at this point. Like, it's like, <laughs> there's nobody there. There's no reason to be like, this guy, you might have seen him at blah, blah, Every, blah. Everyone here knows me. Yeah, it's like, it's. This next guy needs no introduction yeah. because you all drove up here with him. <laughs> He could have just been like, Joe, you're next, and that would have been fine. But, (laughs) hey, Joe, come get this mic. Yeah. But he actually gave me some kind of introduction, and I go up there. And at this point, this lady is out of it. Like, she is wearing a thong, and 
her half her ass is hanging out of her pants. Yep. Her thong is like halfway up her back. And go to my Instagram for a picture of this because we have it. Yes. And she is making this these weird noises. And I'm up there and I'm telling my jokes like she's not <laughs> even there. I'm like not even addressing the fact that she's there. By the way, is this a paid gig? Uh, I want to say they gave us like twenty dollars, but for the, but they, for everybody when they when they reached out to you, they told you this was a paid gig, or they didn't really specify. They said that we would like split the door. Okay, and <laughs> that was nothing. I, at the end of the night, the bartender gave us twenty dollars, and then we just all went to Denny's and we good bartender. Yeah, we just we, you know we all good hung bartender. out at Denny's. We all so yeah, out. you got to stick around to to split the door. Yeah, exactly. We have to get our money. Um, but halfway through my set, she pisses her pants. Oh no. So like you can, and she's wearing white pants. So all you see is like these stains (laughs) start at her. Who pointed out that she had pissed her pants or can you hear it? You can see it. Okay. Because at one point she was. Oh, she's pissing on the stage. Yeah. So she's still on the stage. Piss is landing on the stage though. Okay. Well, like, no, she didn't take off her pants and piss on the stage. She was laying there. Uh, almost motionless at this point, like yeah. she was. But I'm guessing while you were doing your set, you didn't, you weren't looking at her jeans. So someone from the from the seats must have went, "Oh my god!" No, I I did look down, okay. and I was like, "Oh, she pissed her pants." <laughs> <laughs> Good, look at this, and I'm like pointing at her, like I point at things. Yep. Uh, you you guys can't I, see. I it, do the same. Yep. Yeah. So we we do this pointing thing. Just imagine uh, someone pissed their pants in front of you. How you would point at that? Is yeah, how Joe that's pointed at exactly this. how I pointed at it. Um. So I I point out the fact that she just pissed her pants, and I don't even really have to point it out because her ass is actually she's far she's closer to the audience than me mm-hmm. at this point, and she had actually <laughs> the audience she had actually <laughs> fallen asleep. Okay. So she had fallen asleep. Or died, for all you know, at this yeah, point. Yeah, I have no... I honestly felt like, looking, reflecting back on it, like we probably should have called an ambulance. But it's one of those things, it, it happened gradually enough to catch you dumbfounded at different moments that you don't know what to do. And when you... It's so much easier it's like if... like boiling a frog. Exactly. It's... It, exactly. When it happens one little step at a time, you it. this is how these things occur, is because it creeps up on you, and before you know it, you're in the middle of 27 steps that you that you didn't notice, and now you're here, and now what? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, she pissed, the, she, she pissed her pants. She pissed the stage. She pissed the stage. <laughs> yeah. She fell asleep during my set. Probably not the first time somebody's fallen asleep during my set. Do you remember the first time you saw someone fall asleep, like start falling asleep during your set? It's always at bar gigs. It is always at bar it's gigs. It's always at bar gigs. Especially if you're closing out the show. And it's bar regulars. It's like the guy... It's always a guy. Um, it's the guy who, like, he's always at the bar regardless. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to be there for bands playing. He's going to be there if it's comedy and night. And he's always got a date. Yeah. And she's always interested in the show. And, yeah, and she's like, don't worry about him. Like, I... Like, and that's when I always say, I'm not worried about him. The hecklers... Heckler, you shouldn't worry about him. Heckler males always have the most... Like, their girlfriends or significant others are always sweethearts. They are. Like, I don't they know what are. it is, but it's like, if if a guy's heckling and they're with a date, the date is always a sweetheart. Every time. And always apologizes. And most of the time will be, the heckler will come up to you afterwards and be like, good job. Like, But, but like, the kind of, like, will use his little sweetheart as, like, a little bit of a, a buffer. Yeah. Um. Anyways, yeah, so she pissed the stage. She's making animal noises. 
And at this point, it's probably like 12 o'clock, mm-hmm. midnight, because we got there probably at about 8. Show was supposed to start at 8, 8.15, probably didn't start until like 9.30, mm-hmm. um, if she not, did. probably till 10. She did an hour up top. Yeah, she and it was just like a, a disaster. And Pister Pants fell asleep on stage, brought a prostitute, <laughs> made weird sex noises during our sets. Yeah. Gave us twenty, like didn't even give us twenty dollars. Like the bartender had to be like, "Here, I don't, I want you guys to leave with something." Right. Um, never seen the girl again in my life, ever. And us being the consummate pros that we are, we're just rattling off jokes, doing the jokes, and that's exactly. What, it's like these are the situations that you find yourself in from time to time, and it's like how. It's like why do I even why, keep doing this? Why, but. Did she come to by the time you left? No. She never woke up. No. The the uh, lady of the night, actually, when we were Which, leaving, by the way, could have made so much more money if she didn't go to oh, the show. Oh, yeah. For sure. She could have made tens, tens of dollars that night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to say, like, have you ever seen like a, a like a left tackle blow out their knee and, like, the quarterback and the punter, like, go out and, like... They use like they carry him away, <laughs> yeah, well, like when the when the training staff <laughs> yeah, just doesn't. Like it, they don't have what it takes to hoist the man off the that's field. That's exactly what it looked like, but with like the prostitute. Like the prostitute was like taking her out to the car, or kind of shuffling her off out, oh. of, out into the night again. Oh, no. But I've never heard from that lady again. Did you guys help put her in the car? Or? No, not at all. We just left. <laughs> not at all. And Bartender the, didn't help either. He's like, I've seen it. And the thing was, is like the whole way home. Um, so we had we had like a really late dinner with Sam Stewart, but the whole way home, like we didn't even talk about what happened. Like we were just talking about other life things and comedy. <laughs> like it, like you didn't realize it was crazy back then. Yeah, like it's like the weirdest, like one of the weirdest things that have probably ever happened to me while I've been doing comedy. And it was like, eh, like all right, like this was fun. Yeah, and it was just like a regular night. But looking back on it, it's like, what the? How hell? didn't we notice this more it as is, it was going on? It's definitely like one of those shows, and I. I hesitate to even call it a show. Ah, yeah, like I could do jokes right now, just me and you, yeah. and it would be more. I would get more out of that than I did that whole show, other right. than like hanging out with my friends. But it's like those nights are like, you know, you're really deep into com- where you're just like into comedy when it's just like you become callous to that. Like right. a lady probably almost died in front of me while I was telling my joke about my wardrobe or something it didn't even phase me you've forgotten that story dozens of times yeah that's how that's what comedy is like is you would think that if you like for me i've done comedy for almost five years now i'm coming up on five years you would think that if you you've been at it you know somewhere around 10 years on and off with some breaks in between and i was about five years then but you were yeah so you were at this point where i am now you would think that with with that happening um, anytime someone asked you, oh, you do stand-up comedy, that would be the first story that you say for the rest of your life. What's stand-up comedy like? You'd think that'd be the first thing you talk about. Nope. But I know pers- I've had to remind you three or four times about this story. I forgot that that happened. This is your third episode of The Bomb Diaries, and we only got to it because we specifically decided, I've got four more stories yeah. for, of us. 
that we're not going to get to. Yeah, <laughs> because of this lady. And it was like, I, I just forget it. Yeah. Like you just, so I don't want to say so many nights. Th- like there's probably things that have happened that are probably equally as crazy to that that I just don't remember. Right. Or that, you know, I just whatever. Like it's just like, I don't know. It's comedy's weird, man. It's so weird. And I have, I never had somebody pass out on stage. But the pictures, the two pictures, they're a bit grainy, but they're amazing. Like the one is Sam on stage and you can see him laughing. <laughs> and in the background is the booker and she look you can't see your face you can only see your back and you can see the white jeans and you could see the thong like the thong is sticking out at about half of like so it's half thong with no jeans and half jeans covering thong like it's oh, it would be the perfect if you wanted to put this on on network television it would be like where the censorship Committee. It would be the thumbnail. It would be where the committee would say, "Okay, you can only show this much butt crack." Like it's it's perfect. Yeah, it's brutal. And she is back facing the camera like she's doing a cannonball into a pool, and and Sam trying to get through his act. And then the next picture is a bit more grainy, but it's you, and the picture is taking sh- like showing a mirror. And at this point, <laughs> at this point. She had rolled over to where she's on. <laughs> she's on not all fours, but like on the on her two knees, and then her face and shoulders are just smushed into the carpet. And and you're performing. And what the what really what this story reminds me of, or is a reminder of, is just how much people try to dabble in comedy. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like a good idea. <laughs> like, it seems like it's a cheap endeavor, yeah. right? So, like, if you own a bar, you own a taco shop, you own anything where you have a little bit of space and you have, you can put up a microphone, you think, oh, comedy might work here, or maybe I should try booking comedy, yep. or whatever the case is. But there's so many shady promoters or people that are going to reach out to you and try to sell you a bill of goods and make it seem like what you're you're going to come to this show it's going to help you it's going to help your career anytime anybody mentions anything about a career that Run. is automatically a no-go Run. like hey don't you want promotion or don't you want um practice or don't you like anytime like they speak in a lingo that you and i wouldn't even talk like we don't we don't ever say anything about careers or practice or <laughs> Anything like that. It's just like they're not talking our language. Yeah. It's like automatically, if you're not talking comedy speak to me, I know that this is going to be a terrible show. Things that are worth doing, you rarely need convincing to do them. They pretty much sell themselves on their own. It's like when someone approaches you in a Target and tries to get you into a pyramid scheme and they tell you that the Maloof brothers, the old Sacramento King <laughs> brothers, uh, are the ones who own it. And you can work for yourself, and they go through this 25-minute pitch and why he was like you five years ago, but now he's a millionaire. Uh, like, Wall Street jobs and, and, like, surgeons don't ever – like, no one ever comes up to a surgeon like to, hey, do you want to do this? It could be really good for your career. Where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, exactly. You don't have, have to be pitched <laughs> – I almost broke my chair. You don't have to be pitched on – those jobs exactly same so if someone comes up to you and says we're going to make your career there's a lot of talented people out there if you have to convince me to come to your show that makes me skeptical off the bat the best shows you're going to be put on are shows that come from other comics you've worked with Mm -hmm. it's like you get recommended 
or they have a show and they're going to put you on or you've been vouched for like it's something like that it's never going to be a promoter that you only know as a promoter reaching out to you because promoters don't know comedy (laughs) promoters don't know anything period most of the time sponsored by kelly's weddings and it's gonna be bad unless it's like an official like legitimate credible promoter that you actually know does really great stuff or has like a really good kind of um name in the community or whatever the case is but like for the most part if you don't know them and they don't know you and they're talking about limelight and they're talking about careers or talking about it's just like don't even show it's gonna up. be an absolute yeah it's i've only had that happen to me one other time where i actually showed up and i knew it was going to be a, a complete disaster a guy reached out to me and wanted to do a show in paso robles mm-hmm. and automatically sent me like three paragraphs on why i should be doing this show and how it's going to help me and how it's going to put me in front of a lot of people and how all of these people are affluent and these people have power and these and it's like they're in paso robles like yeah Nobody with powers in Paso Robles. <laughs> like, at least nobody, the kind of power no I No one need. that can help me. Yeah, nobody that can help me. Like, yeah. I don't need to do this. And I show up and nobody's there. Yeah. Nobody. Like, it's me and him. The booker for The Tonight Show is not in Paso Robles. Yeah, and it's like, there's so, like, people who don't do comedy, it's like, and that's, so, that's tough to, like, explain to people. Well, it takes specific attention. So, like, this guy thinks, like, there's going to be very powerful people. But what he means is, like, a dentist is going to be here. And really, with that, the more they talk, the less they want to pay you. Right? Like, that's essentially what it comes down to. Like, hey, I'm about to give you how much I'm going to pay you. But first, I need to tell you about this, 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 and this so that... When I tell you about how much I'm paying you, it doesn't sound as bad because I <laughs> just fluffed you up with all of this opportunity that you I'm about to give you. And of it's course. like it's like, geez, man, like it's such I wish comedy was only ran by comics. Right. Because I the best rooms are always ran by comics. What a beautiful world. Yeah. And, and but also the worst rooms are run by comics as That's well. True. <laughs> the That's, best we do we do both extremes. We do the best rooms you've ever played and we do some of the worst rooms well, you've I'd ever played. Well I would rather do a, a a bad room for a comic. Me too. Then because at least they get it. Yeah, than a bad room exactly for a promoter. Mm-hmm. And for the com like there's just certain, there's just people that you know that are more promoter than comic, and then there's some that are more comic than promoter. And the ones with the best shows are more comic than promoter. Exactly. It's like they promote in order so that they can keep doing comedy. They don't do comedy in order so that they can promote. I feel like I feel like your story about the 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 Tulare Booker uh brings me to something another place that we used to do, uh where the host slash not booker, but the runner uh, would sit next to the stage slash floor, uh, and and would sit on like a lounge chair, like fa- also facing the crowd, um, and it w- it was a place called NX Annex, yeah. and, and it was our great friend Mrs. B, and Mrs. B is a great friend to the comedy scene, and she used to get. She used to get waffled in that chair and would either heckle you or harass you or like try to kiss you while you're on stage or or just step on all your jokes and or insult you like depending on how she felt about you. She was kind of the Caesar sitting up there like, did you do good? Did you do poorly? You always wanted her to be on your side. Exactly. But very little 
I mean, I never had around my side. Most of the times you didn't have a microphone. It was a room that fit about 20 people. Uh, and we had already talked about this. It could be anybody. They had a guy who would sing a cappella, but it would be just like he would sing like Adele songs in a cappella. Uh, the show tunes girl would get up and sing. We had the guy do spoken word poetry, who I'm pretty sure killed four or five people in his <laughs> life. Uh, and then we would there, the meet would be comedians, and we would go up there, and it would just be whatever happened. Yeah. Um, and you had an earlier installment to that when it wasn't at that building. Yeah. You used to do it at somebody's house. NX Annex, um, from what I remember of NX Annex in the early days and I don't know how I don't know how long NX Annex had been around before I ran into NX Annex. Um when I first started doing comedy and I came and I was I started doing it here locally, um I had to find places to do comedy. And what I mean by that is like, it's not like I had to go find an open mic. It's not like I had to go find a show. None of that stuff was actually going on in town. And I, uh, none of that stuff was going on in town. So what I would do is I would find any place that had a microphone and just show up and crash their party. (laughs) And more often times than not, they'd let me do comedy, but to me, it was just so important to get up on, to actually keep telling jokes. It was important to get up on stage uh, or get up in front of a group of people. And what I did one day is I Googled NX Annex. Or no, I Googled open mic or I Googled something like that. On- and, and the place that I just described wasn't a comedy event. It was a yoga studio slash, it seemed like, marijuana growing operation. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about the installment before it was even that. Before it was even that. So um, when I first ran into NX Annex, it was inside of a house. (laughs) Like I, I googled open mic in Bakersfield or something like that, and it, I got NX Annex was the first thing, and it was like they posted some event somewhere and they popped up on the search engine, and so I'm driving down the street, and I could still remember this vividly. I'm driving down the street um in the in a residential neighborhood listening to like my gps taking me to this place called the nx annex where they have this open mic and i'm thinking to myself like there is no way there's any kind of establishment in the in the middle of this neighborhood like this is it's like you're in you're in a residential neighborhood like that's exactly what it was and so it tells me I've reached my destination. I'm literally out in front of a house. <laughs> like, I have no idea what to do because every time I keep searching for this place, the same address keeps popping up. Right. And so I see this guy, this heavy set guy, out in front of this garage. And he has like a top hat on <laughs> and he has a cane. I already know who you're talking and about. And. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this guy looks like he's going somewhere to perform, right? Right. And so I come out of the car, and it's Brian Parks. Oh, yep. Yeah. It, yes, it's it is. Brian Parks. The master of ceremonies yes. himself. And uh, I asked him, I was like, hey, I didn't know Brian at the time. I had kind of seen him around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to do this hypnotist show where yeah. he wore this getup, so I... I noticed, and it was pretty big, from what I understand. Like yeah, it was. It would be like at all the fairs and all that stuff. Yeah, it was actually really popular, from mm. my understanding. I never actually watched the thing, 
Um, so I come up to him I'm like, hey. That would be a good idea to get him on here and ask him when when hypnotist shows when the wheels come off, what's that like? Well, he's done like the Crystal Palace. He's done like some pretty well, decent stuff. I know he's done great shows, but I'm just like the, like the your to Larry version in the hypnotist world. I bet he's got to have some good oh, stories. Oh, he's got to have a lot. And just even knowing how you get into that might be a story in its own. Yeah, good, yeah, good point. Um, so I show up to this place. I ask him where it's at. And there's like people, people start kind of coming out of the garage. And they're all like, everybody's dressed like, <laughs> like they're going to a play. Or whatever it is their act is, like they're dressed exactly <laughs> like whatever it is they're about to do. Yeah. Like, um... It's a freak show. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, and that's what NX Annex was, though. Like, even the version that you knew, it's like these people who were into, you know, their weird thing or this thing that everybody thought, whatever it was that they were into, they all came together and had this open mic and got to do spoken word or whatever it is that whatever they liked to do. Whatever weird thing you liked, it could breathe at NX Annex. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was welcome. As, yeah. as much as Miss B sat on that couch and judged you. Mm-hmm. You still got to do it, right. right? And no matter what, like you were never turned away. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They didn't care. You could probably go in there and tell like racist rants, and like they'd be oh, okay. Like oh, you definitely <laughs> could cheer for you. You definitely. Did I ever tell you about the time Mrs. B me too us me and Bruce with the 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 photo? The photo. Yeah. 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 I'll I'll tell the listeners. She. It was the only time. I. I. And I say this, and I mean it. That I. I I can't imagine what a, a woman's world must be like to get dick pics all the time, like unsolicited, because I had one unsolicited tick pic thrust upon me in my life, and it was a scary, it was the weirdest, uh, we were at the rocket shop, it was a good buddy who I'm going to have on here, uh, because I stole his identity for the logo, <laughs> especially Bruce. Oh, okay. Bruce and I were at rocket shop, and Bruce is up there talking to Mrs. B, uh, and Mrs. Mrs. B, uh, is is showing him something and uh he comes to me and he goes hey mrs b wants to show you something and he looks he looks a bit puzzled so i go walking up there and mrs b pulls out a red flip phone never forget it uh and mrs b mrs b's no no like tiny acrobat petite lady no Uh, mrs b's big in personality and mrs yeah mrs mrs b yeah so she shows me this flip phone. She goes, here, take a look at this. And I, she opens up the phone, and I look at it, and it's a picture of Mrs. B upside down with her breasts out, and and they are enormous. And I'm making noises like that lady now. It's what I, if the tits could make a noise, that's the noise they would have made. Like, like they were, <laughs> yeah. like they were angry at me. Like it was, uh, I, I an- analogize it to one of those fish at the bottom of the ocean that their eyes pop out of their head because of the pressure so much. It was like, like they were, it, I, I didn't expect to see it and it jarred me. Yeah. And you I, can't just show somebody. I that. ran away and they followed me across the room. I feel like as I ran and you still think about it. I still think right? about it. Bruce texted me. Bruce still thinks about it. He texted me two months ago and he said, Hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm in an LA Dodgers game right now and I'm, uh, I'm a little inebriated. He didn't say inebriated, but uh, I don't know what he would want me to it, yeah. describe it as. Uh, but let's just say the sun was setting over LA Dodgers Stadium, and it was a really beautiful moment for him. He was <laughs> getting in touch with the universe. And he said, as I was doing that, I remember that time Mrs. B showed us her tits on her phone. And he and there was a, there was a space that he wrote, so I'm leaving now. <laughs> <laughs> 
she's so that's the that's the kind of Mrs. B. But it was, but she's such a beautiful person and like such a warm. You, when you hear her attack somebody on stage, you would think she'd be like mean or angry or whatever. But she's got the biggest heart in the world, and like you're when you when Mrs. B likes you, you guys are she's you guys are best friends for life. Like and she's myself and Mrs. B. Like I've never. She still shows up to things. Like she'll show up to Tumblr every now and then. She'll show up to Rocket Shop every now and then, and she still makes me nervous. Yeah, she's still like I feel like I'm back in the NX Annex, and I feel like she's judging me. And she always has this like stark look on her face, like you have to win her over, even though she's seen you a million times, right? Even though you've made her laugh, even though she knows, like she's been around you enough to know that you don't suck, or been around you enough to know that, like to respect what you do. It's like you always have to earn back that. She does have a thing about that smile. Yeah, she does have a thing about her that makes you want to earn her approval. It's and it's it's from that those NX Annex days of just sitting on the couch and judging us all the time. She was really good at it too. Yeah, and you wanted to go up in the first five people. You didn't want to go up like twelve after she had three of those quote coffees. Oh yeah, because you were fucked. There was no way you were going to survive it. She was coming up and taking the mic that you already didn't have, and yeah. licking your ear or just telling you that you stink. She chased a few people. At, a few people got very upset. She chased out of yeah, there. Yeah, she she uh. For as accepting as the NX Annex was, there was also you asked you also had to get like some level of acceptance with Miss B well, in order like, for you to actually be comfortable there. It's like crazy people when you see when you see like crazy people or like transient like street wanderers walking up and down the sidewalk screaming at nothing and they're screaming at cars going down the highway and then two of them walk past each other. You notice they have this weird like nod kinship like they they're like hey how's it going but there's still a tension there of like who's going to be the big swinging dick on this block. <laughs> That's what NX Annex was. We were all insane people who no one else understood but we could get together and enjoy it but also fucking hierarchy in this exactly shit. And mrs b was at the top she was at the she was at the top of the chain and i don't know how she got there no. like i have no idea how what her what her deal was with nx annex or if she ran the thing or i still to this day don't know for all i know we commandeered the lobby of a yoga space and we're probably trespassing for yeah. all, you know for all we know she's not real maybe only six or seven of us are even seeing her but i remember that was it was in a house that's where the original NX Annex started. And I still have, to this day, I have no idea what NX Annex means. I'm sorry. So, yeah, we took you all the way away no, 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 from it's fine. Top Hat, <laughs> Freaks coming out of the house. And so I show up, and I, at the time, ran into Brian, Brian Parks, and I said, hey, are they doing an open mic here? Like, why? And he's like, oh, yeah, go in and sign up. And it felt like I was walking into, like, a swinger party. Like, it's kind of like those things where you feel everybody in the room has, like, this weird agreement with each other. Mm -hmm. That something weird is about to happen, but everybody's in on it. Open mics wide shut. <laughs> but I was not in on it. Like, okay. I was like, okay, everybody here knows each other. But I was the first person that had ever showed up to do comedy, to do comedy there. Oh, wow. Um, they had been running for quite some time, and I remember one of the ladies was like, you're the first to ever try to do comedy here she's like i don't know if it's gonna work but you're more than welcome to try it and i was like okay so i sign up um i go up and it was like it was actually good it was decent it's like kind of like that yeah that, that the crowd kind of met like they gave me exactly what i expected mm -hmm. but it's just the whole fact that i like was probably three years in at the time and i'm having to like go to a garage in the, a residential neighborhood and 
drink these weird cups of coffee that are probably spiked with like god knows what <laughs> watch a guy who's like a retired hypnotist like be in a <laughs> person's be, home that might be that those words might have ever been used together maybe 10 times ever retired hypnotist <laughs> <laughs> I never. I thought I'd live my whole life without hearing the words "retired hypnotist." <laughs> oh no! I wonder what the 401k and hypnotism is. No, I, I'm sure they have some kind of match for yeah. the hypnotist. <laughs> <laughs> but like, Annex Annex was just strange, man. Like mm-hmm. it was like one of those things. Like I never regret going, and it's always like it always gave me. It was for one. It was really far from where I lived. The the version that you knew, mm-hmm. um, but it like. That gr- that kind of like weird kinship that you have with everybody in that room. It was inspiring. Yeah, it's like you, it, it's like life's outsiders, mm-hmm. and it's like the people that never got the job, the people that never got the the hot girl or the uh, cute guy, the people that never went to prom, the people that like everybody who was an outcast was at NX Annex, right? And NX Annex. And a lot of people probably don't know this or probably don't realize this, but NX Annex really started bringing Brian Parks around to the comedy scene. That's right. And NX Annex was always welcoming of everybody. Bruce went to NX Annex. Well, it was actually actually you that brought Brian to the comedy scene. You go in there and doing comedy. And then when NX Annex moved to the yoga studio, I started going to NX Annex because I got into an... Uh, hefty, yeah, I remember that. I got into a hefty uh, knockdown, drag out, blow out argument with people who were running another room in town uh, and and got, qu- quote, uh, banned from, not really banned, but I was... I was you, I, you self-imposed a ban. I, self, I banned myself uh, and they probably loosely banned me as well from the room and started going to Annex Annex and that's when comedy started happening there again when they moved to the new location. So yeah, the fact that they opened up... I only started going because I was cast out of my community. Yeah. And you only started going because you had no, at that time, community. Yeah. And when, that, when, when I had nowhere to go, Annex Annex was open arms. Yep. And just like me, like when I had nowhere to go, mm-hmm. open arms. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those places that like I wish a version of it was still kind of around. I, I tell Mrs. B all the time, I wish you'd do the ballroom again. Yeah, the, that's the what it was mic. called. Mrs. B's ballroom. B- B-A-W-L. Because everything had to be filthy. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> and I don't. I, it's probably a conversation with Miss B, but I mean, I'd, I'd love to get some. Every time I see her, I tell her, and every time she sees me, she says she's working on it. So, we'll, we'll, so know, it'll probably never. You happen. know how that yeah, goes. It, it, yeah, it'll probably. Hopefully, never it kicks back in though, and I'll be the first one to make out with her on the steps. <laughs> <laughs> but comedy is like these really weird hole in the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done comedy in front yards, backyards. Mm-hmm. Um, gone up after singers. Gone up after. Frank Frank Sinatra impersonators like was that at the mark? No, I it was uh, actually the one time I got to do with a theater with Steve Trevino, <laughs> um, the Sororian Theater, the right? Sororian Theater in Fresno. It's like two thousand two thousand five hundred people. Yeah, right? it, uh, yeah, it's like something like that. Um, but years before, 
And I don't even want to pretend like I got on that show for on any kind of merit. It was just like I happened to be at the right place, right time, had the right people vouch for me. Well, that's what and humble people say. And so, like, that's how you end up on things. The Frank Sinatra impersonator should be saying that. Yeah. But I don't know about you. <laughs> but I, I did this pizza place when I had first started out that was down the street from Sorori, from the Sonorian Theater. Mm-hmm. And I remember showing up and... It looked like, have you ever been inside of a Little Caesars? Mm-hmm. Okay. There's nowhere to sit. It's just a counter. It's a counter. And, and a it's hallway. A hallway, and it's like maybe one or two seats for you to sit down and wait for your pizza. Not wait for so you can eat pizza there. It's like you're literally waiting so you can get your box of pizza, then get the hell out of there. Right. Right? So there was a place like that. I don't remember what it was called, but it was like a version of Little Caesars. And... I stood home for the weekend. I was supposed to be going home for like a holiday weekend. And I stood in Fresno for the weekend so I could go to this, so I could do this show. And it's inside of this pizza place that looks like a Little Caesars. Mm-hmm. And everybody in there looks 16 years old. Like 18 max. How and many, how many, everybody was in there? There's maybe like 10 people. But packed, packed room. But it was like some of the people's parents, mm. and the, this kid goes up before <laughs> me, and I'm like sitting in the back, and I'm like, I get there, and then automatically it's like, okay, the, you can't cuss. It's a clean show. And I'm like really new to comedy, so I'm like, that's all I know how to do at that point is cuss. Right. Like that's 80% of my bits is just cussing. How do I do punchlines? Yeah, like how how I can't do anything. Um but this kid goes up and he takes his boombox up on stage, and it's not—it's not a stage; it's the floor. It's the it al- floor. It almost always is. Yeah, it's just the floor, and he puts it up and for like twenty-five minutes sings Frank Sinatra songs, and he's wearing the whole getup. He has the suit. Which, if you're Frank Sinatra, I guess it was okay. But all that means is you're talking to music. Yep. He's a crooning just means talking in yeah, a goofy in voice, like a weird uh, tone. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah, if we just played music right now, we're impersonating yeah. Frank Sinatra technically. And he goes up and he does like 25 minutes of Frank Sinatra. And I go up after him and it's like, I can't get it. Follow well, that motherfucker. Well, and everybody cheered <laughs> and they were giving they him hugs. Yeah. And his parents were there. And the thing is, he was wearing a suit and then tennis shoes, which always for some reason sticks out Wait, what me. was he wearing? A suit than tennis shoes. Like a beastie boy. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like people who think they're cute, like the guys exactly. that get married, mm-hmm. and they're like, well, I'm still like a rebel, so still I'm going to cool. wear Chuck Taylors with my suit. Like, mm-hmm. that's how he was. Um, but his parents were there, and they gave him hugs, and like, it was like, and I felt like just alone, and I stood home for the weekend, and I, just so I could do this, and they gave me half a box of pizza when I left. Like not a full not a full box. They gave me a half a box of pepperoni pizza and I Did ate they did they give you the for twenty minutes. Did they give you the jalapeno or the or whatever it is, the chili pepper, whatever Just the one in? ranch, not the, two. no the, the pepper that comes in the little Caesar's pizza. Did you get the pepper? Oh yeah, the, the one in the that looks like uh comes whatever in like a bag, doesn't it? Thing is. Just come. They put it in the box. Did you get the pepper? Or did they someone no. else get the pepper? I, I didn't. I didn't earn the pepper. That's that not. Day. E- that's not even a half a pizza. But that's what then. comedy is, man. It's like these really weird. Yeah, I situations where it's like nobody wants, unless you're like a big name. Nobody wants to see you. Nobody cares what you have to say. My last released guest 
Andrew Boydston, uh, who I, I had explained before, has been through I, I, half of the things, these crazy stories he's been a part of somehow. He booked this for, speaking of a backyard, a backyard. It was uh, he, Trevor, Dustin, and I. And he sold it to Trevor and I by saying, he's like, hey, you know, this this couple, I met him at the bar. They really want to do a comedy show. They want us to just come to their house and perform, uh, but they're going to get all their friends to come out and see it. So I'm like, okay. okay so Trevor and I show up to the house and we walk up and we meet the couple and they're very nice but it becomes evident very quickly that it was Andrew's idea not the couples that we do a show at their house so they they didn't ask to have a show they agreed to a show which is (laughs) which is already a different energy uh, and then we find out that they're having a St. Patty's Day party and it's like a costume party. So everyone's dressed up like assholes except us, so, which means we're the assholes yep. at a costume party. And then it becomes uh, clear that only this couple, uh, the Lafferty's, who we, we very much love and appreciate, only they know that there's about to be a comedy show happening. Everyone else thinks they're just going to get to play darts and shuffleboard and, and hang out and enjoy a St. Patty's Day party. So I'm sitting, <laughs> Trevor and I are talking and we're like, man, we do we, we don't need to do this. Like they don't, they don't want it. They're not going to want it. Let's just go I, home. I, yeah. I don't need this for myself. Can we just go? But they set up a little PA system in the corner of the backyard and it takes them like 25 minutes to explain to the guests what's going on. They're like, hey, Jeez. we're going to have a comedy show. And the guests are like, what? No, we're not. Why? We are not having a comedy show. Why? Like, why, yeah. why would we do this? Because it's going to be an hour. We're all doing 20 minutes. Oh, of course. Of the course. 20 straight across the top when nobody knows. We're all That's doing 20s. perfect. So they finally get them to figure it out. And they, they pull out like lawn chairs and they all sit and we we do uh, we've got a PA system that's about the size of my recorder here, which is about the size of a large iPhone. Yep. Uh, and we do the show, and they were uh, they were a tremendous crowd. They they put up with us and placated us for all sixty minutes and gave us good laughs uh, and enjoyed a little crowd work. Uh, and then I I left there and and never looked back. I don't want to. <laughs> I think Boyce had said to me like, "Hey, they want us to do it again." And I nope. said, "Yeah, call me. Yep. Call me. I'm, nope, yep, nope, nope. Yep, I'm busy. When is it? I'm busy." When you leave, when you and I have talked about this and you've mentioned multiple times that y- you sometimes get these instincts that are just like, "I want to leave." Mm-hmm. So like the the thing at the Scrambler Park um where something comes to you and you're just like, "I need to go. I need to get out of here." Why? Like why? Why do you feel you like what? So I have my reasons why because I get that I get that feeling and yeah my and I'll tell you why I feel like I, I innately just want to leave a place um, is I don't know oh, yeah go ahead sorry oh no so for me the reason why because it's a, it is a strange feeling because it's like this I this is what I love to do I want to do it um, but I want to leave right now right like it's kind of contradictory and to for like, me I think that's why but uh, I'll touch on that. For me, um, myself, and I, I, I'm sure some comics fall in this boat as well, but I think about a show so much, like leading up to it, and then I reflect on it probably even longer than what I thought about letting up to it, right? Mm-hmm. So like, if I do one 15-minute set on like a Thursday night, a Friday night, whatever, I'm thinking about that whole set up until that Friday 
And then I'm thinking about how I did at that set all the way until the next time I get to do comedy. And if I feel like I'm going to go up there and I'm going to fail for other reasons other than me doing my comedy, I'm fine failing on my own. I'm fine failing in a room where it just doesn't go well for me. But I feel like I innately want to leave because I know I'm not going to do well. And this is going to stick with me until my next show, which is too far from now for me to live with. Right. I love it too much. I love the craft too much, so I'm too close to it. And when I I see that I'm a part of something that's going to disparage the act, it it steps on the craft of it is, is... when I I think when I get the impulse to I'm gonna get out of here and some days I just plow through and go well we'll get a good story out of it yeah but some days I'm like all right I've been doing this a couple of years now I feel I'm comfortable on stage it's not like I need the reps so that I feel comfortable being around people it's not like if it's not like I I've, I've never dealt with hecklers before and this will help strengthen that muscle I know how to deal with hecklers I'm gonna get I'm gonna get less out of this than I'm gonna get constructive out of this and the thing that I love about this most, almost none of those elements are a part of it. And and it's going to diminish that. So I'm, I'm getting up and I'm getting out of here. It's, it's, that's usually that. It's like, and that was the Strambler Park thing is we're, we, are, uh, we are ambushing people who are here for something else. Yeah, <laughs> People are here for rock and roll. And we're, beer and not us. Not, we're stepping on that. It's almost like we are not doing comedy. And... I also feel like if we are ran out like a dog and pony show that I feel disrespected, not only to me, but right. like my friends who were there, um, the audience on a lot of levels, if they're not expecting comedy. Um, but I just, I don't like being a part of it being so kind of thrown under the bus, so to say, where it's like, Oh, hey, we have comics here. They're going to do comedy. Hey. <laughs> like, it's like, no, that's, I want to do a comedy show. Like, right. I want to be on a show. I don't want, Yeah, I would and, rather do an open mic than be on this show where I'm, you're actually paying me to do. And I want to make a living out of this someday. So I want to see the progression that I'm getting closer to that point. And so if in five years from now, I'm still doing somebody's backyard, it doesn't seem like I'm, I'm on the right path, yeah. you know? <laughs> It doesn't seem like I'm it would be like it would be like if my last year of law school I was still failing my introductory seminar I'd have to look and go maybe this is not for me. Yeah, and that's that's why when a lot of people approach you about being a comic and you should oh tell us a joke right now or like oh you should do comedy at our our next whatever, right? It's it's like no. I that's not Right. I'm not a comic so that I can impress you here in the office. My reaction is always no, and let's talk and see if we can get to yes. Hey, do you want to host our company Christmas party? No. Nope. You think this is a good idea because you don't know comedy. I know you think it'll be a good idea to have a comedian read off your raffle and tell some zingers, but it's not going to work. It's just going to be some stranger no one knows how to deal with. You're going to tell me to make jokes about the boss. I'm going to do it, and he's not going to like it. We're going to argue over money because I don't want to do the gig, uh, and you don't know what to pay me, and we're going to we're gonna have some weird haggle over that. And then you're going to bring whatever we haggle to your bosses, and they're going to say no, uh, and we're going to fight about it again. It's just going to be a train wreck. So my, my it's always no first 
for a non-traditional comedy thing for me, and then we'll see if we can whittle it down to a yes at this point. Except for uh, the thing that I want to leave us on, and when we when we cut this thing off, I'm gonna I might I'm just gonna say to you off mic one or two things that I can't believe we haven't gotten to yet. It, when it comes to weird shows and yeah, weird, weird stuff, things, there are uh, I mean, there's another three to four hours of stuff just between you and I that we've done together that I can't believe we didn't even get to touch on on this. But the one that I'd like to leave it on, uh, speaking of non-traditional shows, but was a good time while it lasted. Uh, you may know where I'm going with this. The Kern County Food Judging Competition. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. You don't know, people, but if you're not in Kern County where we are right now, even if you are in Kern County, you're listening to two people who are pretty well connected in this town. <laughs> pretty well connected. We're movers and shakers. Very well. So, Joe, you were good enough to get me introduced into the world of food judging. Uh, would you like to give us a background on how all that got started, for how you got taken into that world? And uh, then we'll talk about how we did it together, and then we'll talk about how it ended. So, funny enough, it was actually through kind of the same thing you had just spoke about where it's like you know who we should have do this <laughs> people we think are funny like let's have comics do this yeah. um so i was approached um what year was this this was 2013 2012 oh, so it was a year before we met yeah so it was like 2000 uh, maybe it was like 2011 um somebody knew who i who knew i did comedy i was working at the radio station at the time was like, hey, we always try to get food judges, and normally it's like these people that are like pillars in the community and to this come is, out. This is for the Kern County Fair, which comes around once a year. It's the Kern County Fair, and it's the whole city shuts down September for the Kern County Fair at the fairgrounds. Places covered in dust. Everyone gets valley fever, afterwards. and they make millions and millions of dollars. Big, it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Bakersfield is the heartline of Kern County. And all of Kern County comes out for the Kern County Fair. Yep. And they do a lot of, you know, it's like any probably county fair where they have art judging. They have photos you could submit about, you know, like you can go and take photos of the community and they'll post them and they do prizes and all of that jazz. They try to have a little bit of everything for everybody. And one of the things that they do, and it's um, something that's been sponsored by earners big screens if you need a big screen go down to earners and get one today today, today. our second sponsor our earners second sponsor. big screens um so earners who sells kitchens uh kitchen appliances used to sponsor the bake-offs the food competitions because it just kind of fell in their wheelhouse and there were also, lots of them Every every classification of food you can think of, there's a competition in Bakersfield in September where they cook that shit and it's judged. Yep, donuts, cakes, casseroles, any anything that any kind of food you can imagine, it, it, it has a category at the Kern County Fair. Most of those categories are judged by the lady who runs it and her daughter or friends. Yep, and, or at the time, what they were trying to do is they were trying to get people like from the community, like pillars in the community. Um, you know, people who were on boards and all of that jazz to come out and judge these things, but they what they quickly realized was that none of it was entertaining. <laughs> and you would get somebody who's like a councilman or somebody who's, you know, running for mayor or something, and they'd come out and they don't really 
want to eat the food and they're not very entertaining to watch and you have to because you're eating food from strangers and you're eating like 40 dishes yeah and it hasn't been regulated nope nothing and so they reached out to me and they were like hey do you would you guys would you like to come and be one of the judges Mm -hmm. we know that you do comedy we feel like it could be something that would be fun and we need somebody to just kind of liven up the, the the judging um so myself and a radio dj here locally did it the first year and he's not necessarily a comic mm-hmm. he's a re a, you know a dj so he entertains in a different way that i try to entertain and uh you know very loud very you just you know a typical radio hype DJ. guy on the yeah, radio hype dude and so I, I i judged one year and i forget even what i judged that first year um but they invited me back mm-hmm. and they were like, Hey, we would want, we want you to have another, you know, somebody else to help judge. Do you have anybody that would come out and judge with you? Turns out there's a little shining star. And that I was just like, moved out to town. <laughs> and I was like, you know who looks like they have, who they like Texas casseroles. <laughs> <laughs> Chris <laughs> flail. <laughs> fucking vaguely beige man who just moved out. He could be anything. I and always say I could. What, if you don't like something, I I could be that. Yeah, and so, so I reached I out. So I could I could be. So Mexican. what were you thinking when I reached out to you and asked if you wanted to come judge some food competition? At you probably didn't even know what the Kern County Fair was. No idea, but I just thought it was like cool. We're gonna do a gig. You know, I'm still de- like we're we're doing a gig. I'm getting booked for the fair. I'm gonna judge. I'm judging food at the fair. We're gonna do funny stuff. We'll probably meet people. It'll probably be a big event. You know, it's it gets me into the fair for free. Yeah, they gave you free tickets, fifty bucks, free parking. By the way, I'm a year into comedy at this point. Easily best paid gig I had ever had at that point. It's still probably one of my best. <laughs> <paid gigs. laughs> yeah it's for the amount of time that you're working exactly and you get to walk around and get free food feel like a baller you look around like you walk around look at all them honeys at the fair and go hey yeah daddy's hooked in at this place yep. i ain't just no square we park by the way we park at the back of the fucking fair free yeah park we got pass. the best parking in we par- all of the fair you park you park and walk to the fair we park in the fair we bitch. are the fair we are the fair <laughs> And we ain't fair. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how it feels. It just was just a cool time. Yeah. So yeah, the first time that you invited me and I, I got my I got my contract in the mail. It was for uh Yeah, they sent you an official contract. They need it signed. It has to be back by a certain date. That's it's right. It's like very specific. Tex Mex casserole was the category yeah. we would be judging. And I'll make this admission right now. I'll 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 tell the people. <laughs> At that point in my life, I had never had a Tex-Mex casserole, and I didn't even know what it was. Um, I had no clue what it was. Uh, I had been to Chipotle. I, I thought maybe it was something like that. I was everything that was wrong with uh, fairgrounds food judging competitions. You know what I learned about I was, that, though? I was like the three-year Instagram model comic who gets a sitcom. <laughs> yeah. I didn't belong. I... Uh... But what I learned, what a Texas, I didn't know what a Tex-Mex casserole was either. Good. And I've because you're not Tex-Mex. been to Texas, and I'm Mexican, yeah. so I got some kind of connection. I should have some kind of connection to the food, um, but apparently it's just a regular casserole. Which, by the way, I'm I'm <laughs> impressed at how you uh, you you rolled the R when you said torta, torta because that yeah. is so not 
Like you're like I Lexi, my girlfriend is Mexican, and she asked me, but she said, "Does Joe speak Spanish?" And she said, "No, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "No, I don't think he does." I'm and she the said, worst "She Mexican. said, well, Maritza does though, right?" And I said, "Yes, yes, of course. Yes, her name's Maritza. Maritza. It's Maritza. Uh, yes. You can't have a name like yes, Maritza. She does. Not so. No one who knows you as well as I do is surprised that you didn't know what Tex-Mex was. Of course not. Because well, here's the thing: Mexican people don't like." acknowledge Tex-Mex as a as a kind of cuisine oh so this is bullshit no yeah it is it's essentially it's like what we consider Chinese food isn't Chinese food at exactly. all they don't so have general so's in Beijing that's exactly what it is is it's it's a food that was kind of stolen from the Mexicans you threw the American part of it which is just corn <laughs> just throw corn on everything <laughs> Fucking right. it's just like hey what's that enchiladas that's not, that's not, that's let's throw corn in it now it's Tex-Mex <laughs> yeah it's just like we throwing th- corn by the way spoiler alert we stole that too <laughs> <laughs> we're like the puff daddy yeah. of cultures we just steal a little bit from all you motherfuckers so, stick it in yeah make a guys, nice casserole out of it and I feel like a little conflicted that I was even judging this thing because I mean it's you, know, you feel like a disgrace to your people yeah, <laughs> but hey it was 50 bucks good parking and some time with my buddy why not yeah um, so the Tex-Mex casserole that's essentially what it is it's just and not one of the people who made Tex-Mex casserole either are Mexican or Texans not at all and but I'll tell you what they all are they all are casserole makers. Yep. They were all in their 50s or 60s. They all were wearing cat or wolf or dog sweaters. Uh, they all look like they belonged in a Cracker Barrel gift shop. And for as much as we hyped this thing up and what an amazing time it was, this was one corner of the fair. Yeah. And we were in a little building. Well, it's a big building, but in a small section of a bigger building. Mm-hmm. Um, we were in like two tents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... The for something like Tex Mex casseroles, casseroles in general, you don't hang on, uh, slow it down for the layman. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a real fucking expert there. I am when we're talking Tex Mex casserole. <laughs> you went to John Gruden that shit. Yeah, like you're, we're, we're, we're on a screen right here making circles and arrows to I'm the very, I'm very passionate about food. Yeah. Um, in particular, casseroles <laughs> of the Tex-Mex variety. Um, so sorry, guys. Forgive us for a little inside baseball about the Tex-Mex yeah. here. Well, no, here's the thing. Like, If you think of a casserole, what do you picture casserole to be? Something macaroni-based. Okay. I but picture like, macaroni noodles and a, and a sauce I don't like with vegetables I don't eat. But what kind and of... mayonnaise, which bothers me. But what kind of container is it in? It's always in a clear Pyrex dish. And it's square. huge. It's square. Or... It, or uh, yeah. And huge. Yeah. And it's warm. And they were none of that because you had to bring it down to the fair. No. So if you make a Tex-Mex casserole and then hoof it 45 minutes to the fair but and then sit around and wait, we're getting casseroles that were probably done in the morning and yep. they're like cold. Yep. And I, Room temperature at best. Yep. And these... Uh, here's something about uh, a little inside baseball on the on the casserole makers is the people who sign up for these things sign up for every they're very, competition. They're very oftentimes uh, lonely. Yeah. <laughs> they're and, empty nesters. And they're not only in the Tex-Mex casserole competition. They're in the chili competition. They signed up for the baking competition. They signed up for the cupcake competition. They're in every competition at the Kern County Fair, and they take it very, very they've seriously. They've waited for this 
all year. All and, year. And I think the winner, and I, for, correct me, do you know how much the earnings are? I think it's like $100. $100 for the winner. Or 150 100 then 50 Okay. So we're making the same amount as the third place <laughs> yep. winner to, to basically announce the competition, taste the food, judge the food, make uh, funny comments between the food, uh, and try not to break everybody's heart when we select the winners. But as we pull up, true to all of our Bomb Diaries story form, there are fucking five contestants. Yep. Not not dozen. Like when you hosted competitions before, dozens of people. We walked in. There were five. And as Joe just described, we've got to pick anonymously first, second, and third. <laughs> So Out of five. the only two people more pathetic than your judges that you're listening to now are going to be the two out of five people who are the only ones who don't win anything. And but they're the one. They're not. They're we're the millennials. So not everybody gets a trophy, bitch. Don't yeah, be a snowflake. That's what it is. Yep. And but here's the thing too: is like we don't know where these were made. We don't know what like some of the people who submitted Tex-Mex casseroles look like. Could still have the bones in it. We don't know. Yeah, they look like they, uh, you know, somebody who only comes out during the Clark County Fair. Uh, <laughs> this looks, is the first they've been out in the daytime. They look like uh, they could be on an episode of Hoarders, and that always scares me right. because it's like I'm very particular about the conditions in which my food are made. Right. And there's a lot. I'm very picky about what I eat, and there's certain places I yeah, just you don't go to. You won't share drinks with people. No. Like I'm very particular, but I, I put that all aside for the um for the Kern County Fair for the fifty dollars for the fifty dollars <laughs> at the Kern pass. County Fair. <laughs> yeah, you, but that was a lot of fun. It was so much fun, and so, it was sometimes every like there's all these weird incidents, but so, the best part about comedy is that sometimes it's just fun. Yeah, like it's, sometimes it's just good old wholesome fun. So we're there with all these snowbirds. And we've got a just so we've got five casseroles. By the way, uh, they don't know what the hell Tex-Mex casserole is either because they're all different. It's just there's, corn on everything. There was one that was yeah. The only consistent was corn. There was one that's just all meat and spaghetti sauce and corn. There was one that was like this white sauce and cheese and corn, and it had a piece of cactus that they made you taste over it. Uh, like everything was different. But like Joe said, they were all sitting out for twelve hours. <laughs> So the real money, where we made our money, was we're seated on an elevated stage with a beautiful uh, table and tablecloth. We're seated there like we're doing a post-game press conference, basically. Yeah. And we're seated maybe six to eight feet in the air. Each of us have a wireless microphone. And we are facing the contestants who are seated audience-style, facing us, watching. Uh, and and the, the proctors would bring a dish to us. They'd cut off a slice. They'd give each of us a slice on a piece of paper uh, and and give us a, a separate fork for every dish. And we would each take a bite and we would confer about it and we would talk to each other on the microphones and kind of punch it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, talk about why we... Oh, what kind of cheese do you think this is? And, yeah, uh, they thought they hired us to make jokes and keep it lively. They really hired us to pretend that shit was good. Yeah, that it was, was disgusting. Every bite was worse than the bite before it. Um, There's nothing. I never want to have another Tex-Mex casserole or anything remotely looking like a Tex-Mex casserole in my life again. No. So, uh, and basically, the reason we got Tex-Mex casserole is again, 
uh, nepotism, the people running the show, and rightfully so, but the people running the show gave it to themselves and their loved ones. Like they do cookies, they do chicken wings, Cakes, they do brownies. Pie. Yeah, this this the the person who was running it had this beautiful daughter, uh, and she she happened to be all the dessert judges. <laughs> yeah, we got take. I t- wouldn't mind doing the desserts. Exactly. We we got these. Uh, we got us two guys dregs on society. They put us on Tex Mex casserole. So we're taking the bites and pretending we like it. And then after that, again, it's anonymous. We just have to pick dishes one through five. So they do a little break and they play a song or something. And Joe and I get to whisper back and forth of what we're going to select as the winners. So we do. Uh, tell me if you remember this. We pick our first, second, and third place. And by and while we're eating these bites, we're going like, mm, oh boy, this is going to be oh. a tough. This is tough this is to judge. Be rough. So we give our first, second, and third place. Uh, and not only do we watch the faces drop on the two losers, but we then learn that the person who we p- picked to win first place was the husband to another contestant. They were seated together, and he had his arm around her. His wife was one of the two people who didn't win anything at all. <laughs> so he's I fucked. I don't remember that. So now he's <laughs> fucked. So he starts yelling over, like over us as we're announcing this like oh she she did all this stuff for me like she helped like he's just trying to talk himself off the couch for the night if if we would have been able to pick i would have picked her as one of the winners instead of him because i know he doesn't care if he wins no not at all i know grammy cares if she wins but we anonymously picked him as a winner and her as one of the only two losers out not of the to get anything and i i do recall like one of the ladies wanting to see the scorecards that would have been her yeah and it was like <laughs> let me see what did you guys think and then one lady was uh i remember one lady saying that it wasn't fair because we tried their dish last yep and it wasn't warm and had we tasted it first it would have been warm and that's where you get like the most of like it it's a a dish that's best served warm <laughs> Like every dish ever, yeah. like you want to eat it. Except revenge. Yeah, you don't want to <laughs> eat it at room temp yeah. and get you know salmonella or E. coli or whatever. Yeah. Um, but we agreed like pussies because we didn't want to hurt her feelings. Yeah, like, and what are we going off of? Like, what are we basing this <laughs> off of other than last place could have been first, first could have been last, third could have been second. Like, we didn't know what we were doing. Right. If you told me to this day what's a Tex-Mex casserole, I don't know, but Still, apparently I'm some kind of aficionado. We're experts. Yeah, we're some kind of experts. Still no clue. Still uh, no clue. But that's how experts are, are made, is that you just get put into something, and you do that a couple times, and then people just start calling you expert. So we got our we took the arguments, and we agreed, and we got our picture taken uh, with the winners. Uh, and I think we might have taken some pictures with the losers too. I don't. Yeah, remember. we take pictures with everybody. They put our picture up on the wall. So, like I said, uh, like like forty nine of the fifty competitions are these like these two beautiful like college girls who just look picturesque. You can put them in the magazine, and then one picture that features is two assholes. That's us and an old lady that won <laughs> and the text o- hit an old lady with a gripe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like so, it could have been the cover of a really fun magazine. But it was just so much fun, and we went home laughing. Uh, and we're like, all right, but we put in our time, and I think we might have even said this to the lady, like, we put in our time, we made our bones, so next year, we're doing chicken wings or the desserts. We earned it. Yeah. Like, we went through this, and we gave everybody good, like, they enjoyed the show. We were getting laughs. No, we were, we, getting were laughs. we were the favorites. We were getting laughs. Like, they told us we were the best judges of the year. Yeah. Judges. We were. We are. No big deal. Not bragging. 
Yeah. Kern County Judges of the Year 2015. 2015. So then baby. 2016 rolls around, and unbeknownst to we're just living our lives, not talking about it. And I go to my mailbox and I open up the mail and I see I've got something from the Kern County Fair. And I uh, open it up and I realize we're being requested to judge the 2016 Kern County Fair. And I open up that trifolded piece of paper, and the category they want us to judge is. Was it Tex Mex casserole? Was it? That's what I got. That's why I didn't go. Because I'm no one's puppet. I've done it. I've done it more. I've done it a few times. So I was. Have I you remember done it? Judging. Did you do it after that? I ju- no. The first year that I, d- I judged the DJ. Yeah. It was. Um, it was something sweet. It was like cinnamon rolls or something. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, "Oh, I got another comic." And they're like, oh, "You're getting Tex-Mex. <laughs> You're getting Tex-Mex." <laughs> they asked us to do te- at least me to do Tex-Mex again, and I gave it the old thumbs down. And no, never, and that's pass. that's where it ended. Never yeah. heard from the Kern County Fair again. But I I play I play second fiddle. I would do it again. I earned my stripe. Yeah, Kern County Fair. Call us again to do it. But not Tex-Mex. I like how we talk. We we talk to Kern County Fair like they're a person. There's a person. <laughs> Kern County Fair, call me. I forget. You know. You know the person who runs it. I don't remember her name. Yeah, you probably know her. She might have retired now, but maybe. get us in desserts or or chicken wings. Yeah, cake, pie. That's all I ask. Cake and pie. I'll do it for free. I'll do it for twenty five bucks. I'll do it for free. <laughs> uh, I, inflation, man. I got at least seven. I'll do it for the parking pass because because I don't want to walk through that dusty. Parking have you lot. been back since to the fair? Yeah, never again. It's brutal. Every year I say I need to go. I never need I'm to surprised. go. I'm surprised. I'm surprised Lexi isn't dragging you out to the fair. She's tried. <laughs> it's brutal. Let's go this year. Let's do it. Let's go. We have, we have until September. There you go. You can see us at the Kern County Fair, hopefully judging some type of uh, desserts. And thank you for joining me again. Yeah, no worries. Joe Alanis. No this worries. is always, <laughs> always a, a blast. Uh, I think we've gone for about an hour and a half or two hours, and I, I can't believe the stuff that we missed. But anyway, thank you for join and always a yeah, pleasure we jump we'll around to quite a get bit. back together here soon to talk about some more like, anytime man anytime do you realize we forgot we or didn't forget we just didn't get to the roy ashburn story we didn't get to jeez we haven't done roy ashburn we've done roy ashburn we'll have to get bruce out here for that one to, and maybe the three of us can do it yeah together do the whole we, roy ashburn. we didn't do didn't do roy ashburn i was going to talk about a couple martini stories with you i'd um, like to talk about the judging uh we didn't talk about the the tk the teasers show where there was like 25 people on it no remember they did an intermission like they they did like eight people then an intermission then another yeah and i have i have that's one of the photos i was going to send you was kately asleep at the teasers show well yeah because they put they put some of us on the first half and some of us on the second half oh yeah and then remember he came up to us and he's like hey guys (laughs) i have good news this is the longest teasers show We've broken a record. Yeah, it's we, like four that's hours. That's not good. Yeah, no. we we went until one in the morning. We no, we left at I'm one in the send morning. You this photo. We left at one in the morning, and the headliner was just coming up. No, again. Um and um, I'll never forget how I was introduced for that show. A comic who I've worked with before, but we don't know each other. Uh, the host, not this guy. The host uh, gets on stage. At TK, and he goes, "All right, guys." Uh, well, uh, there were a couple F-words in that last set, and we're supposed to be a clean show. Uh, last month, a uh, comic from San Francisco j- broke the record for most F-words during a set. Hopefully your next comic doesn't do that, everybody. Give a round of applause for Chris Flail. Oh, jeez. <laughs> do you know j- I, I've worked with him before. but Yeah, I have too. 
Um, it was a couple. <laughs> 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 well, now I know. Now I know where I'll be cutting this off at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>